Good morning. Yeah, thank you. Good morning. My name is Maureen Brown, and I uh, serve on staff here at Grove in Children's Ministries, and it is my um, privilege to be with you here this morning on this Mother's Day. I'm glad that Kevin made uh, a little note that if that was a surprise to you this morning, that you still have the full day to do that. And I know that for many of you, and especially for some of the young mothers, you've already had some special things happen this morning. I had several kids tell me that they took breakfast to mom in bed. And that's exciting. And I remember those breakfasts in bed. It's not that easy to eat in bed. And sometimes they're unique. Sometimes they're a tad bit mysterious, but very precious, right? And I also admire the dads that were possibly balancing a child while they were trying to prepare that breakfast for mom. So happy Mother's Day. We are in a series called One Big Story. And each Sunday we have been taking leaps through the Bible to get the one big story done. And if you look at, up on the screen here, I'm just going to give us an overview of what we've been doing. We started with creation, and that was good. And then we went to brokenness because Adam and Eve, they disobeyed what, the one thing that God had told them not to do in the garden, and so there was brokenness. And then we went to promise. God chose a man named Abraham to be the father of a great nation. And then we were with law when God establishes the law for his people. Last week was rebellion. And no matter how often the Israelites rejected him, God promised a savior who would come and once and for all make a way for everyone to have a relationship with God. Many years after Abraham, on a holy night in Bethlehem, the promised one, Jesus, was born. And so today, in the underline there, we are at grace. We've got two more weeks in this series, but today we're at grace. Now, I'm not sure how this happened. I need to tell you, I don't know how we decided who would take what um, Sunday for this series, but if we had drawn straws, I got to tell you, I got the long one. I got the long one because I get to talk today about what everybody's been pointing to in the last weeks. I get to share the fulfillment of the promise It's what the beginning points to and what the end is. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. When our kids were little, um, when they were little, we would often tell them stories. We would read stories out of books, which I know many parents here were reading constantly. And we would tell them stories. But there was one particular story that our kids would ask for over and over and over again. And they would request it like this after we'd done all the reading. And I really don't think it was a ploy to stay up later. I really don't. I think that they wanted this story. They said, Mom, Dad, tell me a real-life story. When they said, tell me a real-life story, they meant, tell me a story about you. Tell me a story about you when you were little. And you know what? They were kind of boring stories sometimes. We'd talk about riding our bike, and they would just be listening because they were a real-life story. They were a true story. And so one of the things that, uh, because I serve in children's ministries, one of the things I'm really careful of with kids is, is I, will, I will tell them, this is a make-believe story, but isn't it fun to hear stories that are make-believe? And then I will say, This is a true story. And when I'm telling them true stories from God's word, I will open the Bible, even though I'm probably not reading 
it at that level. I'm reading it at their level, but I'll open the Bible and say, no, this is a true story. So one of the things I want us to remember here, when we talk about one big story, we need to have another line there that says, based on a true story. This is a true story. This is another reason why I love children's ministry, and I'm so happy that we have children's ministry and people that serve in that in our church. Because you need to know that right now, at this very minute, while we're in here talking about this one big story, there are other things happening in our church. Right now, our two-year-olds, our two-year-olds led by Grace Friesen, they are hearing about the one big story at their level. Our three-year-olds are hearing it, our four-year-olds, our five-year-olds, our grade one, grade two, grade three, grade four, grade five, grade six. Right now in grade five and six, Brooke and Mitch Epp are talking about the one big story with those kids at their age level. And also right now upstairs, we've got some of our new to Canada English speaking students, and they want to hear about the one big story. So Lori Peters is up there with them right now, and they're learning about it in their language. And after, when, at the end of the message, when, when the, we say, okay, now parents can go pick up their kids, then we all come back together, and we respond to what we've been learning. But we've all been learning the same thing, just at our age level, the one big story. Because here's what we know. We know that it's possible to grow up reading the Bible and never understand the story. We also know that it's possible to know the stories, but never understand how the pieces fit together. And it's possible to have tons of Bible knowledge, tons of information in your head, but never know how you fit into the story. And so today we want to talk about where we fit into the story. Your life is important. Your life is important, but it will never make sense until we see and understand it as part of God's story. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for your presence here that I can sense and feel. Lord, I just ask that your spirit would work this morning and that you would be the true teacher as you are. Lord, I pray that the things that are of me would fall away and the things that are of you will be the things that stay and stick and the things that we go home with because only true transformation happens through you, Lord, and so we thank you for that. Be with us this morning, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to John One, if you don't, it's going to be up on the screen. And we're going to read kind of a lengthy passage here because now we're talking about it. We're talking about Jesus, the one that came and that brings grace. So John 1, all the way from 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 
The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of the fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So we're just coming into the New Testament. So between the Old and New Testament, and there was 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence, and then God breaks into the world to fulfill his promise, the promise, and it came as a baby. It came as a baby, and this is referred to as the incarnation. This is the incarnation of Christ, God in flesh. Now, it's always um, good to look, what, what was that word? What did that word mean? If we go back to the Greek word, for the word word, there's a tongue twister. But the Greek word for the word word used here is called, is logos. Logos. And it's common, in those days it was common in both Greek philosophy and Jewish thought. So John used this word logos because for Jewish readers, by introducing the, it as logos, that meant to them, he was sending them and pointing them back to the Old Testament where logos or word is associated with the personification of God's revelation. So think of that, the personification of God's revelation. And for the Greeks, in the Greek worldview, Logos was thought of as a bridge between God and the universe, a mediating principle between God and the world. So when you think of that, John used a word that both of them could relate to. Introducing Jesus as Logos just invited them into something that they could kind of comprehend. But John went further because for the Greeks, he presents Jesus Christ not as a mere man or a mediating principle, but as a personal being, fully divine and yet fully human. And for the Jews, he presents Christ not simply as a personification of God, but that he was God's perfect revelation of himself in the flesh. Verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That, this is really important that we grasp that because we need to know that, yeah, Jesus, there was humanity, and yet he was God. And we have lots of proof in the Bible of his humanity. We have proof and verses that say he needed to sleep, that he needed to eat, that he had emotions, that he had feelings. There's proof that his body bled. So he was God in the flesh. Now, why did he have to do that? Why did we have to have him like that God in the flesh? Because it was much more than just having him be able to feel sorrow or to taste food. It was much more than that. Firstly, in Galatians 4.4, it says that, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law. It was necessary that he's born under the law. Why was it necessary? Because if we go on to verse 5, it says, it was necessary to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Secondly, in Hebrews 9.22, it says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So it was necessary for the Savior to shed blood, 
for forgiveness of sins. So without the incarnation, Christ could not really die. And if we really think without the incarnation, Christ couldn't really die, then we have to say the cross would be meaningless. I don't even like saying that. But if we don't believe that incarnation, that's what we're saying. 17 says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. So here we are. We're in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's what we get to talk about this morning. Grace and truth that came through Jesus Christ. So I want to go a little bit deeper into grace. And I want you to put your thinking caps on, and I want you to see if you can finish these very common phrases. Um, and, and you can actually even yell them out. I'm, I'm good with that. So common phrases, see if you can get the ending. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. I heard you all say that. Okay. Here's another one. There is no gain without pain. Yeah, we know these, don't we? Here's another one. There is no such thing as a free, yeah, lunch. Some say ride, lunch and ride. Both. We know that one. Here's another one. How about this one? God helps those who... We know those just like they just roll off the tip of our tongue. And do you know what? Those are really good phrases. They're probably good things to live by. They kind of show us a good moral worth ethic. But you know what? Those are kind of sometimes the things we hold on to. Those are the opposite of grace. They're the opposite of grace. As a matter of fact... Thinking about grace, it would say this. God helps those who cannot help themselves. And that's what we need to wrap our head around is, what is this grace? What can I do? You know what? Not a lot that we can do. There's two important words that we need to understand. Grace and mercy. Now, mercy is when God doesn't give us what we deserve. And that would be punishment because we, we broke that. We, there's brokenness, right? That would be punishment. But grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve, a blessing, right? The precious, unmerited favor of God. That is grace. We can't understand the Christian story or the one big story. We can't understand it unless we understand grace and the grace that came through Jesus. Now, some of you have known about grace all, all or your life, you've, you've known, yeah, I'm saved by grace. Some of you are just starting to understand that and comprehend that. Some of us are really struggling with that still because we're feeling like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. And we're at that struggling place and we're feeling less than constantly. And you know what? Sometimes even though we know we're saved by grace and if we say, no, I got a, I got a pretty good handle on grace. I realize it's not me. It's the Lord completely. Sometimes we still fall back into some thinking that's not healthy. And we don't act like it. We think that if I just do a certain, enough, certain number of things that God will love me more. He'll love me more. Now, we're saved by grace, but sometimes actually living by works. Now, I, one of the things I... Please don't hear me wrong this morning. I am not saying that we don't have some action we need to take. I'm not saying that we won't have a result of the grace that's been extended to us and we won't, because we are all, as Kevin mentioned, we are all about transformation in Jesus Christ. That's what we are about. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are about that. There will be a result 
and we of the grace and the salvation that's been extended to us. But really, to receive it, we can't do anything but accept it. Because I work with kids, often I will give kids an acrostic and I'll take a word and I'll kind of put some other words with it so that they can remember. And I'm going to do that with you this morning. Not because I want to treat us like children, because it helps me too. I think that's part of the reason I'm in children's ministries because I learn so much in the time that I spend with them. So if we take an acrostic for grace, we say G. What I want us to think about with G is the gift. It is a free gift. All of us need to be made right with God by his grace, which is free gift through Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. The R, we receive it by faith. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We have a free will. And we have a choice to accept that gift of grace. But it's already been done. If I start adding things to grace, if I say, Oh, yeah, God's grace plus this, or God's grace plus that, or God's grace plus you take these steps, then the cross doesn't make sense. Again, I, I, I hate saying that, but if we start adding a bunch of things, then the cross doesn't make sense. If there was another way to salvation, would God have chosen the cross for his son? Can you imagine? Jesus in the garden and praying and sweating and saying, Lord, if there, let this cup pass from me. Let, can you imagine God saying, yeah, you know what? There are another bunch of ways and there are some options, but I just want to give him another option. And having his son go through that, if it wasn't absolutely necessary, and that's why Jesus said, not my will, but your will. And when we start thinking about the grace and all the things that we want to add to it. Here's my question for us. And this question is a, a hard question to even say. I would say, is Jesus getting what he paid for? Because he paid a big price. And when we start adding a bunch of things, is he getting what he paid for? Does he have to do it again? Was the first time not enough? The next word is A in grace. And that is for anyone. It's available to anyone. The promise is not only for those people that live under the law of Moses. It is for anyone who lives with faith like Abraham. God doesn't play favorites. Regardless of your background, regardless of your status, regardless of your sin. It's for anyone. C. This one I love. It's Christ. We, it comes through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace is free. There's no doubt about that, but it's not cheap. It cost Jesus his life. And that's what the Gospels are all about, telling the story of Jesus and what he did for us. It's not cheap. The law tells me that when I do wrong, that, that I am I'm wrong and I, there, I, there's no way out. That's what the law would tell me, that you've done this, so the penalty is this. When... Grace comes into the picture. When we have done wrong, grace actually says, you know what? Confess it. I forgive it. I'll help you to move forward. I'll help you to move forward. I use visuals for kids a lot. And so I thought, I'm going to just use a visual for you this morning too. Visuals for kids when we think about our lives. And what I want you to think about is I want you to think about this bag. This bag being... The bag that represents grace. The grace of God in this bag here. The grace of God. Now, 
I want you to think about this rope as your life. And so sometimes when we live under the law, we are thinking, oh, man, I, I could never live up to what, what God asks me. I could never live. I did it again. I, I, I fell away. I did something again. I, I broke it. I've broken. I've got that brokenness. And so then we say, okay, if I just do this or if I just ask this or if I just pray this way or if I read my Bible this many hours, I'll be okay. There, there, there. I got it. I got it. I got it together. You know what? And then we go along. And so for a little while, we're thinking, okay, I'm on track. I'm on track. And then, boom, we do something again. We do something again because we have that nature. We want to be transformed, but, oh, we fell again, and then we can feel like, oh, man, I did it again. Okay, if I just do this, and if I just do this, and if I just do this, then maybe, maybe God will love me and see me and forgive me if I just do that. And then you know what? We start to patch ourselves up, and then it happens again, and we do it again. We do something again, and we try and patch it up. And you know what? We don't want to share with people. We don't want to share with people how we're struggling. On a Sunday morning when someone says, how are you? We don't say, struggling. We say, I'm good, good, good. How are you? Good, good. And before you know it, we're a bunch of broken people that have tried to patch it up on our own. And you know what? If people really look, we'd say, I'm not doing that well. I'm trying to do it on my own. I'm not doing that well. When we take that, when we take that and we put it in God's grace and we put it in God's grace, when it's in God's grace and when we take it and we have totally given that to God, do you know what he does? He doesn't see us like that. He actually sees us as totally one he sees us through the eyes of grace he sees us through the cross we're whole it's gone we're not patched up it's gone that's what grace is that's what grace does and so that's how he sees us he sees us through the cross i don't understand it because it's god he sees us through the cross e e in grace is eternal The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The results of God's grace are going to go on and on forever. So, we look at that. There's one catch to all of this acronym. G, the gift. Receive it. Available to anyone. Christ, eternal. There's one catch. You have to accept it. And that's all you have to do is accept it. Now, like I said before, there's going to be results of you accepting it because as a result of your salvation, you're going to want to prove yourself and work it out and keep, keep doing and becoming more like Christ. But some of us this morning are thinking, you know what? I have messed up too much. You're saying, you know what? You don't even know. You don't know my life. You don't know what I've had. You talk about grace. It's not that simple for me. It's not that simple. I've got this, you know what? Yeah, there's going to be some consequences of some of the actions. Sometimes through his mercy, we don't have to live them. Sometimes we do. But there's a woman in the Bible who is exactly like you may feel this morning. The thought, it's too much. I've too much. There's no hope. And so she was off by herself because she knew what it was like to be outcast. In, In Mark 5, this woman the story of this woman and what she did and what God did as a result of the faith that she had. I was what they call unclean. Do you know what it's like to be unclean? Every time you go out in public, you've got to yell, unclean, unclean. For 12 years, I suffered 
Oh, we went to every doctor. We went to all the people. We spent all of our money. And I was cast away. Do you know what it's like to be away from your family? I was unclean. And then I heard about him. I heard about Jesus. And I thought if I could just get to Jesus, I heard what he did for people. I heard how he saved people. I heard how he forgave people, gave people new lives. And I heard if I could just get to Jesus. And then he came to our village. And I saw him, and I saw him out there. And I thought, I can't go out, I'm unclean. But I thought if I could just get to him. So I covered up my head. And I went out. I didn't say unclean. I didn't say unclean. And I went and I crowd. And there was people all around him. And I squished him through the crowds. And I thought if I could just get to him. If I could just touch. Just touch the hem of his garment. And then I touched. And it happened. I felt the healing go through my body. It happened. And then he turned around and he said, Who touched me? And I thought, oh, no, no, I'm not supposed to be here. I was unclean. But then I thought, he's Jesus. He knows. So I said, it was me, Lord. I touched you. I'm sorry. I know I'm not supposed to be out here, but I touched you. I knew you could help me, and I touched you. And he said, daughter. Do you know what it's like to be called daughter? After you've been unclean for 12 years, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You know what? Sometimes we think, oh, she just, Jesus was there. Well, because of the death and resurrection, Jesus is here. He is here. And when we get to those places where we think, it's too much, all we need to do is reach out by faith. And God's saying, just watch what I'll do. Just watch what I'll do because of the gospel story and because of the grace and because of Jesus dying on the cross. That same saving faith is available to us this morning. There's three misconceptions that we can fall into when we think of grace. And the first one is that God works, good works make God love me more. If I just do more, good works make God love me more. And you know what I want to say this morning? It's wonderful if you're reading your Bible. We need to be reading our Bible. We need to be, but don't be keeping a time clock because you think God will love you more. He loves you already. It's unconditional. I'd like to challenge us to think of it this way. We do not read the Bible to change God's opinion of us. We read the Bible to change our opinion of God. I'll say it again. We do not read the Bible to change God's opinion of us. We read the Bible to change our opinion of God, to get to know him more, to get to know him, to understand his saving grace and his love for us. The second misconception is that grace gives me a license to do whatever I want. Oh, Jesus did that, so now I can do whatever I want. That's why Paul wrote in Romans, what then, shall we sin because we're not under the law by no means? In Philippians 2.12, it says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. You've got the salvation. That's past tense. It's been done. So grow, be transformed, become more like Christ because of it. 
Number three, grace removes, sometimes this misconception, grace removes the natural, natural consequences of my actions or my sin. And you know what? I'd love to say, yeah, that will remove that. But when we make really poor choices, sometimes we have to live out some of the consequences. But here's the good news. None of those consequences are lived out eternally. Because of grace, etern- eternally you're forgiven. It's gone washed away. And also because of God's mercy, you know what? He'll let you walk through some of those things that you shouldn't be able to walk through because of your actions, just because he's merciful to us. Just in closing, I want to go back to John 1, 17. It says, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. That's what I pray you hold on to. That's what I pray sticks, is the grace of God this morning. And how that's extended to each of us. You're not here by accident. You know, our lives don't happen by accident. I believe God has something for you this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit has a message for each of you individually. If I ever thought it was just something that I'm going to say, I would be so wrong and so lost and never stand up here. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is a teacher. So he's speaking to you right now and saying something to you that you need to understand or comprehend or embrace more. If you've never received the saving grace of God, maybe today's the day, Mother's Day 2016. Or maybe you needed to be reminded today that you've been forgiven, that God has, the grace is extended and you are forgiven. And maybe you're here today because you're saying, here I am, here I am again, Lord. I want to start over. And just like that rope, you're feeling like I've been patching it up on my own. And you need to accept that grace because he wants to have you full and complete and see you through the cross. Maybe that's what you're here. Just remember, as that woman reached out in the Bible, Jesus is saying, come to me. Just reach out in faith. Just watch what I'm going to do. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for fulfilling your promise to save your people. Thank you that when we accept your gift of grace through faith, we are saved and our names are written on your heart. And when we stand before your throne, because you died in our place, we can stand blameless. Forgive us when we fall back into prideful thinking and by faith may we accept your grace today. Help us, Lord, to live for you. Pray these things in your name.